gentlemen welcome to beyond the blade podcast i am your co-pilot for the nicest episode we've ever had episode 69 i am chad didemenesis and i'm your other co-host bill shockey and chad it's been a little while and we have quite a bit to talk to or talk about right now so might as well get right into it yeah yeah it's uh the off season is a full bore. We've had a lot of moves. All the teams have made moves. We still have Eric Carlson kicking out there when he thought he maybe started to get quiet. Patrick Maroon, some other guys, even though we saw Declare sign today. So a lot to talk about, but it's been a couple of weeks since the draft. So how's everything uh, going for you here? A little small tack to start us off. Uh, not too bad. Summer is in full force as well, so... Yeah, yeah it's, uh, myself having having a beer here. <laughs> yeah, I got a little mixed drink here. Um, it's it's warm. It, it's warm. You know, we live in Buffalo. It's uh, cold. I would say. I guess what five six months out of the year, so you can't complain about the heat too much. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but the last few days have been maybe a bit much. Like just sitting outside and sweating when you're doing nothing is <laughs> not comfortable. I mean, taking three showers a day is hurting me a little bit much too. So I don't mind it, but. Uh... Every time my son gets hot, he grabs his bath toys and wants to get in the bath. So that's a little <laughs> one of those mini <laughs> pools, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's get into the hockey talk here. It's kind of a it's really he's a lot to talk about. Like we said, there's so many different ways we can start this thing. Uh, O'Reilly signings, Carlson, uh, Tavares in Toronto. Um, I guess the kind of way to do this, maybe we'll kind of work our way back and then come forward. So, Probably the best way. Let's start with uh, one Connor Sheary. Connor Sheary and Matt Humlick to the Sabres for a conditional fourth-round pick in 2019. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I like it. I mean, um, 
the Sabres are kind of in a spot right now where they can afford to make this kind of deal. And to be able to take out Hundwood's contract and make Connor Siri worth a fourth-round pick is, I would say, pretty nice. Um, it's kind of like, not exactly the bull you trade, but, I mean, it's kind of like taking, there's not as much risk, I would say, with Siri, but it's like, you know, taking a flyer on a guy uh, who's kind of worn out as welcome with the team. Uh, but I think I think it's nice. I mean, a fourth-round a fourth round pick conditional is basically, you know, nothing for the most part. And to be able to get a guy like Connor Sheary where, at least for this year, you can just throw him right away on the top line with Eichel and uh, tell him just to keep up with him and, you know, get to your spot and score some goals. Um, there's a lot of goals. I don't know. I was watching highlights of Sheary in Pittsburgh, and a lot of times he's just in the right spot at the right time, and, and you know, Hornquist finds him or Kessel or – or Crosby finds him, and you can just easily see, and you have seen Eichel make those plays to guys like, you know, Eichel or uh, Kane or, you know, Reinhardt, or even even times where they're not even expecting it, it's on their stick and it flops off because they're, they're you know they're not holding the stick strong enough to, to receive the pass. They just don't expect it to come. And I, I think Shiri is going to be a guy where he's played with that a kind of elite level now for a couple of years in Pittsburgh. Uh, so I think he'll be ready. I think it's going to be a good fit. Um, I don't necessarily know that long term he's the solution for your top wing, but I definitely think over this next year and he's only three, three, three years, kind of figure out what you going to do with them and how the next year. But I think it's kind of an easy trade for Rodwell to make here, and like I said, it, it fills a, a much needed hole that it's still it's still a hole, but uh, at least it puts one guy in that hole, and uh, I think it'll be uh, exciting and, and fun to watch for the year to come. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a natural fit, you know. He's a 26 year old left winger. Um, he makes $3 million over the next two years. And, yeah, and he can separate in that first line. You know, he, he, he knows how to play with big guys, um, you know, playing with Crosby and mostly Crosby, but at time I'm sure he saw time with Melkin. So he knows how to play with those Stars players. He's not going to be surprised by things they can do. I mean, even Sam Reinhardt. Um, I mean, I would assume that would be my first line. You know, Sherry, Michael, and Reinhardt, and that's pretty impressive, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and again, you know, having that cap space gives you the weapon to use it. Uh, and you know you pick up Honwick. He's thirty three, two point two five the next two years, and you know he fits into the what I'm calling the twenty twenty plan. Botterill has, where uh-huh. he's clearing the decks in twenty twenty. So um, yeah, I mean I'm cool with it. it. It's it's you know it it's not surprising. It's a Pittsburgh guy, somebody he's familiar with. Um, so you know I think it's a good deal. I, I think the Sabers again for three million dollars and a guy who scored as much as he has. And been as productive as he has for a fourth round, a conditional fourth round pick. You know, it made the, it's a time like the bull you trade last year. I'm making that trade every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I mean, this isn't as big as a taking a chance like Bullyu was. I mean, sure, he's a good hockey player, but it's it's on the similar lines where you kind of can pass that type of deal up. You know? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and I really think it's that the two year window is is just so big right now. I think not necessarily that he has to clear the deck in t- two years. But I really think what he's doing is setting himself up to give himself that option to try some things out for the next two years. And whatever works, he can keep it around. And whatever doesn't, you can see a completely new team in the next two years minus your core. Um, and it, I think, it, like I said, especially with the other trades we kind of get to later right, uh, later on here, it's going to be – I mean, you, just, you can really see what he's trying to do is he's giving himself a two-year window to figure things out. And then by 2020, I mean, it's it's pretty much go time. Yeah, so the next thing on the list here, which I think we both kind of agree this is a uh, might be a kind of low-key good signing here, and that's with mm-hmm. new goaltender Carter Hutton coming from the Blues. 
uh, three years, 2.75. I mean, that's not bad for a guy who produced the numbers he produced last year, and he's you know has a reputation of being a good room guy. Um, I was on a Blues podcast on Monday, and they had a lot of good things to say about Hutton. You know, they they said he was the inso facto number one last year. Really, you know, he he split with uh, Allen, but I mean, they said he kind of rode, I guess, man the net for most of the season last year. So. You know, it's a good thing, and he understands his role coming over. He knows that Allmark's the future. He knows his goal is to come over here and, yes, play goalie and win games and play well, but at the same time, he's has no, I guess, vision of him coming in here and being the guy for the next four, five, six years. I mean, he's 32 years old, but still, you know, and he knows his goal is to help Allmark along and help him develop, and I think that's really good. I think that's... You know, maybe from this point on here, this podcast, we're going to talk a lot about locker room stuff. And I guess the start of Bottle will kind of change things in that room with the off-putting Robin Leonard out and putting a nice locker room guy like Carter Hutton in. Yeah, a couple of things about Hutton that I really like is, <clears throat> number one, I think when Hutton was rumored to the Sabres, uh, others and myself included were worried about the number, uh, whether that being, you know, term or the amount of money. I mean, three for 275 is perfect. Yep. Um, and it really, I, 32 years old, I mean, you got to remember too, goalies are different. They're not, you know, it's not like a 32 year old winger, or a 32 year old. No, you're right. Like goalies, even look at like, you know, a uh, Pekalainen or even Allmark now, it, it, guys don't even see the league for four to five years sometimes as goalies. So, I mean, they're coming in, usually their, their rookie years are, you know, 24, 25. I mean, Hutton at 32, yeah, when you're thinking skater, it's old. But, I mean, just, like, look at Flurry, look at Lundqvist. Yeah, he's taking a little bit of a dip. But these guys are, you know, late 30s and still starting goaltenders in the NHL. 32 for me is you're kind of getting close to the end of your prime, but it's not – I don't think you're, like, over the hill at all. Right, and he has, uh, so, he's been a backup his whole life, so, like, he has a lot of miles on him either. Yeah, right. And, I, I like you said, I think it's, it's key that he knows exactly what – he said Buffalo was out to get him. I like the little soundbite he had where he said he was two or three and zero against Toronto. Uh, I really dig stuff like that. So um, I, I think it's a really nice signing. I think, like you said, it's, it's going to be a really nice guy for Allmark or whoever ends up coming through the pipes here uh, to learn behind Hutton. Um, and I think at least for next year, he's going to probably get the bulk of the work. I could see probably Allmark getting a game a week, um, but I think Hutton's going to get be the workhorse for the most part this season. So, we're 11 minutes in here. We talked about some stuff. Sherry, Hutton, Hunwick, kind of. Um, the Heat. Let's get to the meat and potatoes here. I think it's time to stop kind of <laughs> <laughs> dipping around the most important thing that's happened here recently. And kind of, I mean, I saw it on Twitter today. Kind of this thing that's, you know, I, and I wrote about it too. It's, it's interesting. It's, like I've said, it's one of the more polarizing trades I've seen in a while. Where I'm there's surprised. really nobody kind of in the middle. There's just a lot of people that like it and are okay with it, and a lot of people that hate it. There's really not a lot of people that are kind of eh, whatever about it. So it, it's interesting, you know. When we saw that today again with the Twitter conversation, where it just went back and forth and back and forth. So Ryan O'Reilly traded, not really surprising, to the St. Louis Blues for Tage Thompson, Patrick Berglund, Vladimir Soboka, a 2019 first rounder and a 2021 second rounder. So I have written a lot of stuff. I've talked to a lot of people on Twitter about it, so I'm going to let you go first here and kind of 
spit out your thoughts on the trade, and I'll kind of kick back off what you said and kind of what I'm feeling too. All right. I mean, I think I'll start off with, uh, I think we're getting to the point of the night when he was traded where I was kind of giving up on the, on the idea that he was going to get traded. Right. With, after the Bozak signing too with St. Louis, yeah. like forget it. He's out. And the Islanders kind of popped in there like, eh, maybe. But... And they kind of like dipped out pretty quick too. So it was yeah. like, you know, I, I was pretty much gearing up to be ready to talk about O'Reilly to be on this team next year. And then basically as I was doing that, he got traded. Um, and I will say it was a, <laughs> I, I do enjoy those moments when something big happens and it was a fun, stressful, I guess, 10 minutes or so before we actually knew what the return was. Right, right. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. But I mean, I think the, I can see both sides and it's, it's because when we're talking about trading O'Reilly for so long and it'd been probably about a week or so, maybe a little more that the blues were pretty much the front runner of where O'Reilly was going to go. Uh, obviously, Montreal was talked about a lot at the draft. Once they didn't give up the third pick, uh, it kind of switched to the Blues, and it was kind of it rolled that way for the rest of the way until it actually happened. Um, and I think what kind of the the crux for everybody who hates the deal is because of the prospects that were talked about prior to the trade. Uh, when you're talking about getting somebody like Rob Thomas or or uh, Kairou or Kostitsin, um I, I think you see a little bit more flash with those guys. Uh, so when it came down as Thompson, kind of someone no one was really talking about. He's a bigger guy, not really fast, but he's got a really good shot, and he isn't afraid to use that shot. Um, so I think interesting things can come for Thompson. I got quite a bit more to say about that, but I'll let you go, and then we'll get into it. Uh, I mean, Berlin Saboka, again, you can see both sides. You got people in St. Louis saying, wow, we were trying to get rid of just one of those guys, and you idiots took both of them. But at the same time, you got to remember kind of where the Sabres are in their rebuild. If I, <laughs> I don't want to use that word, but <laughs> kind of where <laughs> where they are at this point in, in the Botterill era, and that's you had literally no secondary scoring at all last year. Uh, it was basically Eichel, Kane, a little bit of Reinhardt, especially at the end of the year, and O'Reilly, and that was it. I mean, you really had three guys basically scoring Pominville at the beginning of the year, and you had nothing from your really from your D or your bottom six. Uh, for the entire season, and you're, you know, the worst goals for last year. So I think bringing in guys like this is just changing up the bottom six. Yes, they're a, a contending team that was looking to maybe get rid of these guys, but for a team like the Sabres, they're two guys that you can take, and they can fit into your lineup at least for the next two years and just change, change the dynamic of the bottom six. See if it works, because what you had wasn't working. I'll give you this. It's not Jordan Nolan. So... I didn't, I, who, so signed, I who signed with the Blues today, by the way? Which, yeah, hilarious, <laughs> right? <laughs> so good luck with that. But um, I don't know. I And I kind of like the splitting of the O'Reilly contract. Yeah, you took back – I mean, people are saying you took back more. You took back, what was it, 500000 more? If that, even, more. yeah. So, I, I mean, I think being able to get a guy – yeah, Berglund's for four years. Sabaka's only for two. Uh, but you're splitting that contract. Yeah, you just moved O'Reilly. But I think if – you're trying to dump those contracts in a couple of years. I think it's easier to do. Um, and then you can, you, just, you cannot discount another first-round pick. You just can't do it. Uh, you got a first and a second. Yeah, the second's in a couple of years. But I think we're getting back to the point where Murray's mistake was he got Eichel, got Reinhardt, and then traded everything away for play, you know good players now in O'Reilly and Kane. And at the time, I, I thought it was a good a good uh, idea, 
I thought the player was going to be good and I thought it was going to work. But the problem is what you have to do, and it kind of gets to the model of the teams that have been really good. And I know we talk about this all the time, but, you know, your Chicago's at, when they were winning cups and the Pittsburgh's, Detroit's when they were winning cups, what did they do? They built through the draft. And what is he doing? He's getting more and more draft picks. So he's kind of unraveling the guys that, you know, they're not old, but they're middle of the road, and you just gave up a lot for them two years ago. Now he's getting rid of them and getting that cover back full. So now he can, as these pieces start to form, if Shiri turns out to be really good, okay, cool, he hit on that. But you can either trade. You, you he's, Again, he, you, he's giving himself so many options now. You got so, only so many people signed through the next two years. You're starting to stockpile picks. You can either start to like make these picks, and now you're going to get those infusions of when you have to pay Darlene, when you got to pay Eichel, when you got to pay Middlestad, provided you know all those guys or Middlestad gets the contract that we assume he's going to get. Um, you're going to have these picks then to start to fill in those roster spots uh, that you're going to need if this team's going to be good and going to be a perennial contender. Or, like you said, you got three first-round picks now. Obviously, you can flip that in, into a left-winger. Uh, but I, I just don't know that he's necessarily gunning to – I wouldn't say that he's not gunning to win this year, but I don't think he's necessarily under a lot of pressure to, you know, make the playoffs this year. So I think you kind of hold on to those. Then you can go into next offseason with three first-round picks because I assume the Blues and the Sharks are going to make the playoffs or at least not be whatever it is bottom 10 in the league so i think you're gonna have three first round picks next year and then in next offseason you got a lot of ammo to either take three first round picks and infuse that into your cupboard and move guys out that you maybe don't want to like your baileys your baptiste your kneelanders or you move one or two of those picks and you go get a guy i mean like skinner is available now but there's gonna be a guy like that next year and you can go get a guy like that and throw him into your top six because obviously we know there's still a hole um so I don't know. I, I think people that hate the deal are maybe like the Riley too much or maybe overvalued what he gave to the team. I mean, yes, he did a lot in the defensive zone. He won a lot of faceoffs. He ate up a lot of time. But to me, a lot of the kids that were coming into the lineup weren't getting the amount of minutes that they needed. And maybe moving a guy like O'Reilly out who, yeah, he was a 60-point guy, but he's eating a lot of minutes. Maybe they start to flourish. And that's kind of where Thompson fits into this too. But I don't know. I've rambled for about five minutes now. I guess I'll let you kind of <laughs> go from there. No, no, that's cool. So I'll kind of, you know, I make I like a lot of the points that you made. So I'll kind of work my way backwards here, and I'll, I'll start kind of with the prospect point that you made. It's, you know, what was it, two years ago when really, what do the Sabres really have looked to look forward to? Bailey and Baptiste, right? That's really it. Mm-hmm. And now, in this season in Rochester, you have Olofsson, you have Cliff Poo, you have Asplund, you have Malone. You have C.J. Smith. You have Elks Nylander down there still. You have Ogilvy. You're going to have Pilot. I mean, I mean, you're starting to get where I'm going here. Brandon Hickey, Borgen. who this traded for. Borgen is down there. I mean, I mean, it's loaded in Rochester. All these prospects where most of them, if not all of them, are expected to make some NHL contribution in the next year or two here. So, I mean, it, it's a much different story. I mean, again, like you said, he, Bottle, when he came here, you know, he said development's his key thing. He's not going to build through free agency. But he's shown in two years. He doesn't go out and chase the big fish. Although this year he was in, he was in on Van Reams like this year. But again, he wouldn't pay the price though, right? You know, so I mean, maybe he'll go to a certain extent. Um, it, it's interesting to think if 
Tavares would have took their call if he would have been in on that? I'm, well, I guess we'll never know. Um, I mean, it, it seemed we'll get to him in a second, but it seemed like he was going home. And I will say, just as a quick reminder, Batra was brought in here as Pittsburgh's cap numbers cruncher guy. Right, right. And you could see that and work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it and you know, before I get to Thompson, I'll go with Berglund and Saboka here and. The, again, talking to the Blues guys on Monday, um, you know, they, they like Berglund isn't the fast guy. They told me that. Um, but they said, you know, he, he'll give you some offense. Uh, he's very good defensively. And if he's played in the right role, they think he can succeed. They said in, in St. Louis, because of how they were structured and they didn't really have the depth in the top of the lineup, at least on the middle, is Berglund was put in situations to play in a top six role, to play a second line role, to play in the power play. And that's not his skills. That's not what he's good at. So they said if in Buffalo, if he can play the third, fourth line, center, fourth line role, that we should be happy with him. And the same thing with Saboka. You know, he kind of, again, they're, they're not going to be your top six guys. But if you can slot them correctly in the bottom six of your lineup, those two players are better than Larson, Jurgensen's, Scott Wilson, Jordan Nolan, who else was down there? I don't know, anybody down there besides Evan Rodriguez. They're better than all those guys. Even I would say even Pominville at this point in his career. Those two players I think are more productive than Pominville will give you at this point in his career. And if they give you any production down there, it's more than you got last year because you got nothing from down there. Like, you got literally nothing. So, again, isn't you know, I kind of said in the beginning when this first trade happened, is it is it the best trade the Sabres could have got? No, but well, maybe, maybe. Uh, well, yeah, but I, I mean, I guess in your head, you I know, know what you mean. Yeah, 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 of course. You know, I mean, of course. It was, is it the best trade that was out there? I'm sure it was. But could they have done better in your head? We were probably thinking and hoping for more. And but I don't think there's any need to be, you know, af- afraid of taking on that money. I mean, again, it's three million dollars for Saboka or something like that, and then it's or three and a half, and I think it was three point eight five for Berglund. And as you were talking, something I thought about with Berglund is he's four years, but I might be getting ahead of myself here, but I want to mention it because I'd bring it up in a row some big pop the minute as you were talking. Is he a guy that maybe Seattle takes in two years and he's gone? Right? That's a good point. Is that not possible? Yep. And again, that fits the two years clear in the deck in twenty twenty. Maybe Berglund's <laughs> off is off your thing by then. So you know, again, I've thrown that out there, it's possible. Um and then Thompson, you know, I mean, I get it. He's not Rob Thomas. He's not Pareko. He's not Cairo. Um, but, you know, there's – he's still a good player. You know, he's not like he's a slouch by any means. He's, he's you a first-round pick. He's a first-round pick. He's 20 years old. He played in the NHL at 20 years old. He's one of the most productive players in the AHL at 20, 19 years old. And the guys, again, the guys from St. Louis told me is – he was never given a chance there. It's kind of like what we saw with Bailey and Baptiste in Buffalo. He was pegged in, He even said it. He was pigeonholed into a role. He never got an opportunity. He never played with good centers. They just didn't give him the minutes. And they and they said all he needs. They told me all he needs is a center. And I said, well, he's going to get either Eichel or probably Casey Middlestat. And they said then he'll be fine. The kid can shoot it. Like he, I mean, he's he's a great shot. And if he can just find the space, if he can be an average to adequate skater. I mean, he's six foot five. He's a monster, but the Sabers have not had size in the wing in how long, you know? And I, no, I just, go ahead. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be the same speed, 
But I could see him as kind of like filling that Evander Kane role. Right. Size and the, his shoot first mentality. That <laughs> that video that's been going around is hilarious where he shoots three times in a row on the power play. Right. And the Blues guys actually brought that up to me. They're like, there's one video going around. You got to try to find it where he like shoots like four times in the power play. I'm like, yes, I already saw it. He's like, okay. He's like, yeah, that's him. Not afraid to shoot. Which is good. Right. I mean, it's it's been a problem with the Sabres. So the only thing, when you kind of touched on it, that does make me nervous, and it's probably going to be the most interesting to see thing to see and watch as we kind of get in the camp here and kind of make our way into the season, is going to be <clears throat> he he says he was pigeonholed with the Blues because he, he wasn't giving a chance. But I don't necessarily know. And he, he made it sound like he knows he's going to be in the top six. But I don't necessarily know that the Sabres are an organization that let – kids go and let them make mistakes and let them kind of flourish into their roles i mean bailey now don't get me wrong bailey and baptiste have had their chances to make this roster and be on these teams but when they've been here they'll have a good game a good period you know maybe a good couple series and then they make one mistake and you don't see them for eight to ten minutes and i'm just that's if if i'm nervous about thompson kind of flaming out here i'm nervous that that happens is that he comes in, maybe he has a really good first game, he gets a lot of shots on net, maybe he gets an assist or something. The next game, he gives a puck away at center ice, they go on a breakaway and score. And he doesn't see the ice for 10 minutes. And then he's playing with you know, Berglund or Saboka on the, the fourth line. So that's the only thing that makes you nervous, but I think we're kind of, we're at least getting to a spot here where, like you said, the cupboard's getting full. And if he doesn't necessarily, he being Bottrell, go out and do something else, and we'll kind of get to that too, because I think he will. But if he doesn't, somebody's got to make this roster, or a couple somebody's need to make this roster. Right. So I just don't know if, if if you're bringing those people up to make this roster, I don't know how they don't get the minutes, because you you don't have that O'Reilly anymore, which I just talked about. You don't have that Evander Kane anymore. There's got to be other people that are going to fill these spots and play these bigger minutes. Um, quick question for you. Do you think... Berglund starts as your second line center and then middle stat takes it over halfway because that's what I'm waiting. I, I think so. Or if anything, they get to split. Like they do like a top nine instead of a top six where Eichel's your number one. They just then, roll whoever's playing better. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's hard to imagine middle stat comes out with lights to roll up in his first angel season. It's not impossible by any means. Not at all. And you see like the Vegas odds had middle stat as a better odds on favorite to win the Calder than Darlene. Do you see that? I did. That's <laughs> pretty, why I brought it up. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. Um, but before we get off of the O'Reilly thing, I, I wanted to talk about O'Reilly a little bit. And, you know, I get it. And I kind of told the St. Louis guys this too is you're, you're, you know what you're going to get out of O'Reilly. He's going to win faceoffs. He's going to score 20 goals. He's going to get you 55 to 60 points every single year. Yep. Um, but. Which, mind you, is what the Sabres wanted when they traded for him. Right, right. So I don't know how anyone could be mad, at least at his production when he was here. Right. Which is why I think the trade's so polarizing. Right. And there's there's two things here. There's the locker room thing, which nobody really knows the truth, but I kind of mentioned a little bit today in the Twitter thing that went on for a while is personally as a guy, as a person, he was always good to me. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a nobody. He talked to me, then I'm some questions. He was always nice to me, polite. So he's a good person. But this is the second team now where there's been some sort of rumbling of something's not going well in that room. And it might not all be on him, but some of it kind of points to him. And he didn't get along with Duchesne in Colorado. 
there was rumblings that he didn't see eye to eye with Eichel here in Buffalo. And, you know, Bottle talked about there need to be changes to the core of this roster. And you could have went to risk the line in, but I just think O'Reilly makes more sense because if you kept O'Reilly, I don't, I don't want to say the power struggle, but it kind of was. You know, O'Reilly and Colorado wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be the captain. He wanted to, wanted to be his room. And it didn't really work out. It was when Atlanta's Cod got to see, and you know, he was traded. Comes here, he, when he came here, he was kind of like talked up as that captain guy, but it, it never really came to fruition. And yeah, he gave you the stuff on the ice that you expected, but I feel like off the ice, he didn't give you what you expected. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, we were talking about this a little bit right before the podcast, and I think for me it comes to two things. One, year one, when Eichel and O'Reilly both were on the team and Reinhardt, you heard a lot about how they're all working out together, they were all staying super late after practice, they were all hanging out, and then year two, that kind of went away. Um, you didn't really hear too much about Reinhardt even staying for those practices anymore, uh, or, yeah, the, the team practices after. Yep. And number number two, I think about it too, and I actually can relate to this. I, I know a hockey locker room is different, but it's still, in many ways, it's still a workplace. And when things aren't going well, the last thing you need is a guy to constantly tell you that things aren't going well. Yeah, right. And man, you could even see it from the fans how, like, you didn't even want to hear his post game pressers anymore because it was, you know, I got to be better. I'm just not good enough every single night and like you didn't even have to listen because you knew that he was going to say and you know when, when things aren't going well at work or you know in, as a in a hockey team uh to <laughs> i can just imagine every day of practice a guy who's potentially hanging his head or is just it's kind of the like it, it's he you feel like he's almost trying to say the right thing as a captain saying that like i need to be better putting the blame on him but for him to say that every single game after a loss I can just see it wearing on guys like, all right, we get it, O'Reilly. Like, you need to be better. But the, the reality of the situation is the defense isn't scoring, the defense isn't playing well enough, and our bottom six hasn't given us any production at all. So it's not really you on the ice that needs to be better. So I could see people just getting frustrated with that on top of it. And uh, I, from the beginning of the offseason, I just don't know that it just felt like Botchel had every intention of moving him. I don't know if it was – and I don't really want to we, – we've been kind of inferring uh, just kind of from over here. So you don't really know what's going on in the locker room. But I don't know if it's that or he didn't like the guy or whatever it was. It just seemed like from the moment the offseason hit, he seemed pretty hell-bent. And he's been in rumors almost immediately from the offseason yep. and throughout the entire offseason. And there's just – there's not – Bottrell's – he's pretty – I'd say he's pretty close to the best. There aren't too many leaks. But I just I feel like you, you kind of got to this point, and like you said, he was going to change the core. I feel like when he made that comment, O'Reilly's gone. Yeah, and yeah. I, I feel it. Like, go ahead. No, just to say, I mean, I mean, you're right. It just it's it, it's beyond the on the ice stuff. There's just something else that wasn't that we may never know. I mean, we may never know 100. percent We kind of have some idea, but we'll never know. You know, and and like you said, when he made that comment to change the core, I, I think he what? had a I think he had a direction he had to go. Who else was he moving? Besides, it was him or Ristolainen. Honestly, it's what, that's what we talked about. It was him or Maybe Reinhardt. Maybe, but... But, yeah. I mean, you're going to move Eichel's best friend. I mean, not to that matters, but really still, though, you're going to move Eichel's best friend, you know? And then a guy who also had one of the best second halves around here in a while, even when Eichel was out, he you know he carried the team when Eichel was out. So, I mean, 
and he's you know he's 23 years old i think reinhardt is where you know riley's 27 so i mean there's, there's this four-year age difference there and you know battle made the decision the direction he wanted to go this is jack eichel's team now o'reilly is gone it's eichel so everybody in that room knows it's eichel's team get on board and follow him you know i mean i know darlene is here but he's 18 this is this is eichel's team for the next 10 years at least so right. I think that's good to have some sort of direction in the room. And then mm-hmm. on the ice, too, I, I do want to say one thing. And, yeah, he won faceoffs. He scored points. But, honestly, a lot of last season, I didn't think he was that good defensively. I feel like he made a lot of mistakes, a lot of turnovers. I feel like he was lazy at times, was out of position. And a lot of times it ended up back in the back of the net, and it was his man who got free. And I mean, it might be hard with that defense, so I'll give him a small break there. But at times, I just, I just didn't think he was that strong defensively. And if that's part of what he's supposed to give is a two-way center, you're not getting that. I can probably get a better defensive forward out of Berglund. You know, I mean, he's not going to give me the offensive production, but I can replace that offense with Casey Middlestat. I brought Connor Sheary here. Uh, maybe Thompson can kind of replace some of that. Uh, I got the lean here who can replace some of that. Bring me some offense from the blue line. Gooley is going to be here. So I think you can replace offensively what he gave you. But in a way, you don't have his talent. But as a team, I think it makes you better. Does that make sense to me? You're not as good as talented as you were yesterday. Kind of in a way, I guess you could say. I mean, if if you take some guys out of the picture. But I think maybe as a whole team, you are better. Yeah, I, I think kind of what you're getting to is that you're giving, you're going to be able to give other guys a little bit bigger of a role now, and potentially all those guys in a little bit bigger of a role might end up in the long run being better than O'Reilly eating all those minutes. Right. I mean, could, could Middlestad not give you 50 to 60 points? Maybe not next year, but down the road for the next 10 years, right? Can he not be I, that player? I would sure hope he could. He right. sure looks like he can. Exactly. And this might sound dumb. I don't even know if I should bring it up, but I, I would say that O'Reilly's first year, his in in the offensive zone, he was kind of like Dasukian to me, where I'd never seen a guy who could take the puck away from Buddy so clean. Yeah, like he would go in the corner and then just he would have the puck. He would lift the stick and he was just gone with the puck. And I just didn't. I, I can't remember. I just don't really think I even saw that last year. So that might you know kind of go into the point where he's getting lazy, but. Either way, I just I and I don't kind of t- put a bow on this. I don't know if we'll, if there wasn't something else. Why does Moneybags Pagula not pay the bonus and you wait another year to see if you can get more? Wait yeah. for an injury. Wait for something else because you didn't have to make this trade now. No, no, you didn't. So I, I just that's kind of why. Also, I kind of I feel like there just had to be something there where Bottrell felt like now was the time that he had to get rid of him instead of waiting to see if potentially he could get something else later down the road. No, it's a good point and a good way to end it. So we're kind of 35 minutes in here, so I'm touching on a few more things. But before we get into more Sabres talk, um, I feel remiss here since it happened in our division. Um, mm. I guess we can kind of talk about two things here that are happening in the division. Um, one that did happen, one that could happen, and then we'll kind of wrap up with Reinhardt. But um, what's your thoughts on Tavares? I mean, to me... and it kind of, I don't know, like I said to you, like, okay, he goes there, whatever, that happened. I, I, as the days went on, I kind of thought he was leaving the island. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently that seemed like that was his plan the entire time. 
Um, it, it seemed like it was down to San Jose and Toronto at the end of the day. And he said he wanted to go home, and, you know, I respect that. And that's his decision. He took less money to do that. You know, San Jose was offering $13 million over seven years. He took eleven. So it wasn't all about the money here. He took less money to go to Toronto. And, you know, good for him. And, you know, it'll, I guess, make the rivalry interesting, you know. Um, the Sabres might not be up to that level for another few yeah. years, but I, I, I'm still curious how they're going to take care of their defense. Um, this is probably going to cost you Willie Nylander or Marner or one of them. Um, I'm still itching for next season when Lou Lamorello drops a massive offer <laughs> sheet on Matthews, and then after they match, it drops another one on Marner. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to that day, so hopefully that really does happen, but we'll see. Um, yeah, and I mean... Speaking of Lamorello, you know, thanks for uh, taking Matt Martin off their books. I appreciate that. That was the way to help them out. Yes. That was Sweet ridiculous. Move. Yeah, cool. Way thanks. Tank. Yeah, thanks, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sucks. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, it's good for my fantasy team, selfishly. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll be keeping him around, huh? Yeah. Um, I mean, seriously, I think it's – you got to be realistic. I mean, they're just – they they got it right the first time around, and now they just talk about one of your biggest first moves, huh? In Dubis, but uh, right, right, yeah. I don't know. I I know when it happened. <laughs> you were texting me saying, "Well, their defense isn't good, so they're still we'll be all right." And I'm just like, "Yeah, Chad, I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, thinking. their defense needs work, but yeah, but uh, I just I don't know. And Anderson's pretty good, and and their offense now is just going to be they. They now have their guys slotted how we imagine we want our guys slotted. Right. And uh, they're just they're going to be able to roll four lines and be really good. I mean, you got Kadri on your third line center. He's a really good center. Um, like him or hate him, but the guy can produce. So putting JT into that, I just – you're going to have to hope for uh, Matthews, JT, Babcock explosion or something. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I mean – as a Sabres fan, it sucks. As a hockey fan, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and the thing you mentioned the defense. The thing about it, and we'll tie it into the next topic here. The thing about it is that team is going to win you a lot of games in regular season. You know where you're going to have issues is when you get into the playoffs and you got to play Boston, who has a good defense and a good goaltender, and Tampa Bay, who's about to add Eric Carlson and has a massive offense and has a really good goaltender. So, I mean, that that's the thing. Like I say to people, like, yeah, they're going to win a lot of hockey games in the regular season playoffs will around when Tampa Bay and Boston can match your lines and has a better defense than you. And we got to play them in the first two rounds, how the NHL is structured that, that I don't know how well that's going to work for you. It's going to be tough. Yeah. But I think they definitely put themselves in a situation to, I mean, give those teams a good run in the playoffs. It's going to be hard. But oh, sure. Oh, sure. And, you know, I mentioned Tampa Bay, and I don't know, if they get Eric Carlson, then just pack it in. <laughs> give, him the, give him the cup, you know? <laughs> Good Lord, that team is loaded offensively, defensively, and their goaltender is a monster. And he's so young. Yeah. And the rest of that team is so, the rest of that team is so young still. Braden Point, Kucherov. I mean, Palat and Johnson are in 27. Stamkos isn't that old. Um, I, I imagine Sergachev is going to go, but Pierre Dorian, who knows? Um, hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to afford to pay them all. And that kind of maybe kind of what I, I was tweeting about earlier and even wrote about. 
Um, yep. It looks like the Rangers stole my idea, though. It's the rumor that the third team involved here, but I'd be calling Tampa Bay and trying to steal somebody and take on Callahan. Um, they'd have to see if they have to move some money around, but it's probably not likely they did that since they already took Berglund and Soboka and they took Hunwick in the Sheary deal. So it's not saying they wouldn't do it, but I would say at this point it's probably pretty unlikely. But that's that that's a way to make your team better when you have the cast space. You can weaponize it and go take on a contract for a year or two. And Callahan fits that 2020 plan. He'll be off the books in two years. And you can get, you know, Palat out of it or and then Tyler Johnson. Eh, you don't need a center. I mean, I would love Braden Point, but I don't think that's going to happen. So, But I would more yeah. than happily take Palat off their hands if, you know, they're willing to give him up to create that cap space. Yeah, talk about filling your top six, Nate, huh? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, that's kind of... Real quick, go ahead. before you get to Reinhardt, because that was a lot of, you know, sorrow, sad, have been sucks, or is going to be really good, and Mont- or the Leafs are going to be really good. But uh, let's put it this way. There should be no way the Sabres are worse than the <laughs> Canadians or the Senators this year. Or even maybe Detroit, but I think getting Zadina doesn't help them a lot. But um, I just, Detroit, I think, is at least they had. I think they had a good offseason. I think they're moving back in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're close to that yet. I think the Sabers are still a couple steps ahead of them. But uh, I just wouldn't put Detroit in that group yet because I think they're they're getting there. Right. Um, Zadina looks really good. I know getting that gift at six overall is ridiculous. I, I can't I, believe I, he fell that far. I can't wait till he like everyone keeps saying. I can't wait till he lights up Ottawa, and Montreal. Just he's going to too. <laughs> I don't know what to think about Florida either. No, I keep forgetting they're in the division. Good, but... I mean, you're right. Yeah, I mean they were good at the end of last year, second half, but they struggled in the beginning. I mean they got they got players Huberdo, Barkoff. Ekblad. They guys hurt last year too, right? A lot of injuries last year. Um, Dadnoff was good for them. He's a little older, but still he played well for them. Um, so yeah, I don't really know what to think of them either. It's uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would think you know, your top three is going to be Toronto, Tampa Bay, Boston. No particular order, but those are your top three. Florida's kind of your second tier. I would say your third tier is Buffalo, Detroit, and then tier what tier tank. Tier four is like <laughs> the Americks, the Syracuse Crunch, and some other <laughs> HL teams. And then tier five, six, seven, eight, maybe like twelve is where you get to Ottawa, Montreal. I would say they're in that. I mean, it's <laughs> Ottawa. I talked to you about Ottawa is just in trouble, and Montreal needs to get Pierre Dor- or get a uh, Mark Bergevin out of there because. I mean, Weber's out five to six months. Good luck with that. Forget it. I mean, Ottawa's in a worse condition because they're going to be terrible and they don't even have their first-round pick next year. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ottawa. I just don't know how you go from, and there was a tweet about this too, two years ago, almost making the final to where they are today is just mind-blowing. Like, you're about to lose one, if not the best defenseman in the game. For who knows, probably could be close to nothing. Or not just a great return. Yeah. Right. Jeez. Just move them. Just <laughs> move them and pray. And I don't know. I mean, all Duchesne is all that's left and Mark Stone and whatever they get back. <laughs> you might have to, man. I mean, nobody's waving. I mean, the problem with Tampa Bay is all those players have no movement clause, no trade clauses. Who the hell is waving to go to Ottawa? Nobody. <laughs> right. Nobody. That's why you got to get the Rangers involved so you can dump some salary somewhere else. Crazy. Hmm. So, 
talked about a lot. Talked about Reinhardt. Talked about the division. Talked about Sherry. Talked about Hutton. Talked about prospects. Covered a lot. Last few minutes here. Um, kind of, I guess, the next big thing in the Sabres docket here because you can also talk about here at the very end, too, if we think they're going to maybe make some more moves here. But um, before we get to that, we kind of want to touch on Reinhardt's contract. It's kind of the next big thing here. Uh, you know, Bottom last year said he didn't want to talk contract, wanted to see how he performed this year. It didn't start well with him being center. Uh, they've mentioned the center thing a few more times this offseason. I want to pull my hair out. If they even think about putting him back at center, we're going to have major issues. So yeah. I, I don't think it'll happen, but they've mentioned it a few times, which makes me nervous. But um, yeah, that contract's going to be interesting. You know, it's I, I told you, you kind of said you're looking up comparables. And, you know, I always thought in that four and a half range, kind of where he fit, maybe on a three year deal. Um, but recently, Hurdle from San Jose, who never got to 50 points in his career, what did he just get? You had a four years, 5.6 million, am I right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that, for me, that might push Reinhardt into the five. And then for me, if I'm going five at like three years, then. Maybe at that point I just go, okay, why don't we do just do six or seven for like five and a half, five point seven five, and let's kind of wrap this up long term kind of thing. Yeah, I mean for me it's and it's kind of been this way for me the whole time, especially when Reinhardt is very frequently talked about as the core of this team. He's mentioned when they talk about you know Eichel, Ryan, uh, right, Reinhardt, right. Yep. Darlene, Bristol-Linen. Um So if that's the case and you plan on him being around. I have no problem going whatever it is, six, seven, maybe eight years. And, I mean, if you can get him at, what are we talking, six? Five I'd and say half, five six. and a half, five, seven, five. So if you can get him in that range for six to eight years, I don't see any way that if you put him on Eichel's wing, he's not exceeding that contract. With Connor Sherry there too? Throughout the life of it, there's just no way he's not meeting that contract in the first couple of years and exceeding it and you're basically gravy trained for the next three to five yeah um, I, I mean right now it might look like a lot but in you know in two or three years that could be an, i know an underpayment for what he gives you yeah i mean the cap's just going to go up it's going to it's going up quite a bit this year and then it's going to continue to go up and if you add seattle you're it's going to go up even more i just in <laughs> by 2020 five and a half five seven five even six i don't think it's going to be like anything right um he's super young still I think kind of what you've seen so far is his floor. I don't necessarily see don't I don't think you've seen his ceiling yet. Um, so if that's what his floor is, I just I have no problem giving him that kind of contract. And you kind of really don't see too many bridge deals anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it, it, with the UFAs this year, it kind of seemed like GMs were starting to reel the term back in, right? Uh, and the, and the deals looked a little more smart for the team point of view. But uh, I don't know, man. I just I think you're, it's not a UFA. You're not paying somebody who's older a ton of money for a long time. You're paying Reinhardt, who was drafted here. One of Eichel's good friends. Not only that, but he's going to be—he's good on the ice, and he showed he can be good on the ice. Uh, if you want to lock him up for long term, I, I really think it's a smart move here because I don't really see the risk with it. I guess, uh, and I think the risk could be if you go bridge deal, he blows up in the next year or two or three. Uh, and now you're looking at maybe a long-term deal worth seven, seven and a half. Yeah. Right. So I, I really think 
it kind of like how Risto's deal was because that was what is he five 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 point four. I mean now with Dalin, I, I I just don't know. Like that's a, it's going to be a really good deal for the team. So I think if you could do the same thing with Ryan Hare here, I I don't see how you miss, uh, barring some catastrophe. But uh, I don't know. I, his skating has never been the best, so I, I also think that's kind of why it's going to be fine because he's so young. He thinks the game so quick. Right. He's playing on a wing with Eichel and Shiri or whoever it ends up being. Um, I just don't see how you're not getting 50 points. And he turned it, it, all his points were pretty much in the last, latter half of the year last year. Yep. So if, if you can get that for a full season, I just don't know that I want him on a bridge deal because I think I think there's more of a chance you do a bridge deal and he exceeds that and then you have to pay him more than there is a chance that you pay him long term and by 26, 27, you're wishing you hadn't paid him even if it's six million, I just can't see that because you're, there's so many more years out. Uh, you just you're going to have the, the cap room. The cap's just going to keep going up. I, I really think the smart move here is to just lock. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, you know, when I first heard of this, I always thought bridge. But now as we're going here, I don't have a problem going long term. And like you said, you know, his floor. I mean, we could argue not last season, the season before. Everyone's like, well, he had a down year. He had a bad. He he, you know, he went backwards a little bit. They've been well, screwing around with him too. Right, I mean, and well, I'm just saying, not not only this year when he had 50 points, right? The season before that, he had 47, which was more than his 42 rookie. Everyone's like, well, he kind of had a little bit of a down year, and so 47 points is this kid's floor, and he had a tough start to the season. He still got he still got 50 points and 25 goals. Again, if like you said, if you don't screw around with the whole center thing, just put him on Eichel's wing, put him with Connor Sherry on on the left side, and. You know, it's a, it's a legitimate first line in the NHL, and he's never had. He's always had Eichel or O'Reilly, but he's never really had the full package of a line. You know what I mean? It's never been good left wing, good center, good right wing. And then he's going to get his points in front of the net on the power play. That's just what he does. Yep. So, I mean, there's no reason to think that this kid can't be a. I mean, if he can get me 25 to 30 goals, and I'll take 50 to 60 points. He could even get up to 70 if he has a crazy good year. You know, I mean, not to mention, throw Dallin in there too. So now you have a guy who can get the puck up the ice and create more offense with Reinhardt on the ice. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, and you're right. And I, I agree with you. There's, there's, there's a risk on both sides. But I think the bigger risk is, I always point to P.K. Subban. When Montreal gave him that bridge contract, won the Norris, and they had to pay him a boatload of money for the next however long. And I'm not going to say Reinhardt's going to win an MVP or Rocket Richard, but, no, but if he scores 65 points in the final year, 65, 70 points in the final year of that three- or two-year deal, well, <laughs> you're not paying him 5.75 for the next four more years. you got to pay him like seven now. He's getting the Vander Kane money for yeah, the next say, six you want, years. You want, you want this to come full circle? Is you just... They paid the contract of O'Reilly. They knew what they were getting, and that was 55 to 60 points. They paid him 7.5, which right. was so much that they shipped them out. So if you can constantly get around that for Reinhardt, why are you not immediately just signing a 5.5 to $6 million deal? Yeah. Yeah, no, no I agree. And I, I think that, like I said, you know, I, I thought it was kind of bridge all the way, but now I think they could go long term. And, again, I think it's the bridge is still possible, but... You're just in the spot to do it. Right. With that hurdle contract, you're up to five now at that point. Why not just pay him the 
a half a million or a quarter million dollars to buy a few years of unrestricted free agency too, and you know, or even another million dollars to buy instead of it being three years, you're at six or seven. You know, there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. And kind of, I mean, we've talked about it before this podcast started a 2020 plan. There's what five people signed for the 2020 21 season right now. Yep. So, I mean, you know, you have a ton of gap space, so there's no reason you should be afraid, you know, of giving that money out long term to Reinhardt at all. Um, I think there shouldn't be an issue in any way. Yeah, no, I just, I think it's a smart move at this point. So, to wrap things up here, um, you know, I, I kind of tweeted about it. Um, we asked for a change, and we got change. I mean, you got Sherry in here, uh, Darlene, Hutton, Berglund, Thompson, Soboka, O'Reilly out, um, Ghoulies here all year. Uh, if you bring a couple of kids up from the minors, they're going to be here. I mean, a lot of change happened in this roster. Do you think we're kind of getting pretty close to opening that roster here, or do you think we're maybe another move or two away from being there? I think we're getting close, but I just – and I can see where a move isn't made, but I just don't know how you carry all these D into the season. Yeah, what we, and maybe, maybe – Time if you count pilot, right? Yeah, time if you count pilot and Hunwick. So if – like, Pilot looks good, and I can't – I know it's been said, but I just can't imagine you're sending Gooley down. Uh, maybe Bolu, something happens where he just goes. Um, but, I mean, still, you got – I mean, what were we saying? Scandella, Ristlinen, Darlene, Bolu, Nelson, Gooley, Pilot. Hunwick, Bogosian, McCabe. I, I don't <laughs> – yeah. Yeah, there's all time. I just don't know how, and I get it because the defense has been so bad for so long. Maybe maybe you carry all them in to make sure you get the right six or seven. But man, I just I don't I don't know how you carry all these guys in. So I could definitely see maybe a D and a pick going for a forward, uh, maybe like a McCabe and something, right? Uh, going for a forward or. If you want to get really crazy, I I still don't think he moves one of those first rounders this off season. No, I think mean, uh, it's more of an off season, next season move. Yeah, I, I think you're waiting to the draft, um, seeing how the board falls—not how the board falls, but like how the scouts see the board as. Uh, if maybe there's a guy who could jump into the NHL right away, maybe you're holding on to that, depending where the picks are too. I mean, there's uh, don't forget next season. I mean, you're gonna have if Skinner hits the market, you're gonna have Panarin too if he hits the market. There's some wingers they can go chase, too, in free agency. So, yeah, I really think, like I said, I think what this offseason was was to set Bottrell up for the future to give him as many options as possible. He now, in two years, has almost unlimited cap space that he can work with. He now has three first-round picks that he can work with. Uh, he's starting to rebuild the prospect cupboard. He now really, this year, can... It was a little frustrating not him not doing much last year, but... I think this is the year now where he can really go to work uh, and start to make those moves to build the team into where they need to be. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting office season. But, yeah. or, it's going to be an interesting year this year. Real quick, uh, two questions. I don't want to forget them. Do you uh, – the one was the picks or players coming in for the year. We just talked about that. But uh, – there's quite a few questions about Eichel getting the captaincy. Oh, what do you think about that? It, that's hands down, right? You think yeah. it happens soon? 
Probably. I probably like I would say like August time, kinda of when everything dies down as July. Um I think the real question like goes, does he keep fifteen or does he rumor to go back <laughs> to nine? That's the That's interesting funny. thing. I was actually just gonna say, not that I really care, but do you think he'd <laughs> 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 I do want to point out before we kinda of close out, on the forward we talked about defense. There's a log jam on forwards too. Uh Gurgenton's is still here, Larson's still here. Uh, Bailey and Baptista are still here, and they both need waivers to go down to the minors this season. So, I don't know where you're going to put those guys when you have Berglund, Soboka, you just re-signed Scott Wilson, Evan Rodriguez, uh, Tage Thompson's going to be here, Pominville is going to be here. I mean, you're kind of running out of bottom six roles, and, you know, I mean, for me, I always said that I see, I see this offseason as a failure. I see this offseason as a failure. If Gergensen's and Larson are both on this team to start next season, so I, I won't call it a failure now, but I still think one of those two guys needs to go before the season starts. Something's got to give. Yeah, they're the same player. They're the same player. One's got to go. Yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch, but just because the last two years <laughs> I talked about so much about getting the prospects up in here, and I just wonder now if they're getting to that point where if a player is just better than an older guy on the roster if they finally start giving those spots to those guys. Because uh, I could I could definitely see them just carrying Savoka, Berglund, Pominville, Larson, Gergensen's into the season as your bottom six, and then kind of where are you? Um, but I, if, if we get into training camp and somebody, I know he's like the villain right now, but if somebody like Nylander just lights it up, yeah. Uh, do they give him that spot and let him stick for a while? Uh, I think that's kind of going to be the one thing that I'm watching for. I mean, the other part is, too, you have 23 roster spots. You have two goaltenders. They carried eight defensemen last year. So if you keep it at 11, that leaves you basically 12 roster spots, and you only can put 12 players in the lineup offensively. So, like, you know, something comes kind of got to give there, you know? So. It's kind of interesting to see how that plays out. You know, if they maybe make some... I don't think anything big is going to happen here in the next week or so, but uh, maybe we can get some small deals here, dump some players off, maybe kind of a... I don't know, give me your Gergensons or just here, take Gergensons and give me a pick and let's kind of be done with it type thing. So, again, I'm not expecting anything big. Like you said, I think that top six forward thing maybe waits till next season and maybe he sees if a guy like... CJ Smith or Evan Rodriguez wants to step up in that two number two left wing role and kind of take it and then evaluate how that goes and then go chase his winger next year. I kind of think that makes the most sense. Yeah, I don't I don't think necessarily it has to be that way uh, because obviously a GM that just traded for somebody is going to tell them that. But, man, Thompson sounded really sure that he was going to be in the top six this season. So, Well, that, that's, that's your like, second line right winger, and then you can put a post as your third line right winger where I think he fits in the best. Right, so I, I think I think they're pretty much done at this point. Like you said, I think maybe he gets more, uh, takes maybe gives somebody up and takes a flyer on a prospect or gets a couple more lower round picks. Yep. Uh, but for this point, uh, the, with the amount of prospects you have and kind of the guys you brought in with the O'Reilly trade, um, I think it's we're almost at you know camp battle time. Yeah, and I, again, I'll say it. I've put it on Twitter a few times. I know for a fact from what I was told that they are, they were they were and I believe still are in the conversation on Patrick Maroon. That's That could be a left winger right there where they have a hole. So he hasn't signed yet. That's still out there. It's possible. And that, you know, on a, maybe a three-year, $3 million contract per, that's not terrible. 
So, you know, that's that's still out there, too, if they want to explore free agency. I think if they don't get Maroon, that's a done in free agency. And kind of a little for trades. But, uh, yeah, there should be at least an interesting other week and a half, two weeks, so we can kind of talk about the training camp battles from there on on. Mm-hmm. Exciting times. <laughs> yes, yes. So, mm-hmm. for Chad and Bill, uh, we are out of here. We talked about a lot. Our voices are hoarse since we haven't, you know, we're not in the flow of doing this so much anymore. But, uh, you know, we have, we'll have a lot to talk about over the summer, so we'll get a few more times before everybody takes kind of their hiatus here from hockey. Um, you know, end of July, early August. So, make sure you're following us on Twitter at BTB Hockey. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spreaker, along with other places, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. Um, make sure you are also following Die by the Blade, where you can catch our podcast as well, and a lot of great Sabres content there. So, for Chad and Bill... We are going to be out of here this week. Enjoy the rest of the offseason. We will talk to you probably in the next week or so, depending on how things go here. And uh, enjoy the summer. See you. See you.